History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Lord Mayor Adrian Schrinner from Brisbane. How you doing, mate? Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. No worries. And, um, yeah, it's good. Good to chat to you. Now, we've met a couple of times in the past, and I've always wanted to uh, get you on the radio to share a bit of your story. So let's find out a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised? Well, born here in Brisbane. Uh, I was born in the uh, Royal Brisbane Women's Hospital. Uh, my parents were living at Holland Park at the time, so okay. uh, born in Holland Park. And then uh, lived in various suburbs uh, around Brisbane, but mainly on the south side. So okay. uh, we went from Holland Park, moved to Malcrabat, we then moved to Eight Mile Plains, then to Wishart, and now I live in Carindale. So in, within that circle in the uh, southeastern suburbs, basically, I've been there my entire life. Um, the only time I've lived anywhere else was actually uh, when I was in the Air Force uh, for a period. And um, so, But other than that, it's been Brisbane. And where were you based with the Air Force? Went to the Defence Force Academy in Canberra. And so that's a, it's basically a military university um, down in Canberra, which was oh. um, a fantastic experience after I left school. Oh, there you go. And tell us a bit about your, your schooling. I understand you're at City Point College? Yes, that's right. It was, um, at the time, it was called Christian Outreach College, now called City Point. And um, I started there in year one. And at the time, there was only two buildings in the school. For anyone that's been there now, um, like it's just this massive campus. It's a, uh, it's a campus that has childcare, kindergarten, prep, all the way up to year 12, and then there's a university there at the moment. But um, that's what it is now. When I started there, there were just two buildings. I started in year one, and I went all the way through to year 12. And I was one of the early students to actually do that. It was a fantastic uh, school to be in and I've had so many friendships that have formed out of being there, um, not just with the other students, but also with the teachers. And some of the teachers, there's a few of them that, that are still there and they were there when I was at school. Well, you know, uh, my wife's auntie uh, was uh, one of the teachers there, Alison Stanton. Does that ring a bell at all? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I remember Alison well. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those communities where you get to know people and, um, yeah, fantastic. Well, my sister actually is a teacher at uh, City Point. Um, her name's Marika. Mm-hmm. Uh, her surname is Brown, Marika Brown. And, um, yeah, so she's there as well. Fantastic. And were you a part of uh, the church there as well? Was that part of your, your upbringing? Not uh, Christian Outreach College. Um, we're, uh, as a family, we would go to Garden City Christian Church, um, which was which is now Hillsong. So it, it, Hillsong obviously um, is at the campus there at Mount Gravatt, but uh, it was Garden City Church at the time when when I went there. Yeah, wow, that's a massive uh, campus they've got there too. Um, and were you a part of like the youth group there? Was that a part of your upbringing too? Or? Oh, not not particularly. No, um, just the normal church services, but mm-hmm. I wasn't particularly active in the youth group. Okay, and did you have like a religious upbringing? Was that a big part of your your, uh, your upbringing? Interesting question. So I don't consider myself to be religious, but I think that's a technicality. You know, people say they're religious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, have a Christian faith, mm-hmm. 
but I actually think there's a lot of negativity associated with religion. So in my mind, the word religion and Christianity are two separate things. You can yeah. be religious without being Christian. You can be Christian without being religious. And tell us a little bit about your early career. Um, you know, obviously you, you, you shared you spent that time in the Air Force. Uh, what kind of work did you do after that? So basically my entire um, teenage years, I wanted to be a pilot in the Air Force. And we had a small family business, so my parents had a cleaning business. And so the minute I uh, was old enough to start working the business, uh, I did that. And it was all about saving money to um, pay for flying lessons. So I'd work every school holidays in the family business to save up money. And in the school holidays, while um, most of my friends were out there having fun, um, you know, doing doing the things that school kids do, I would either be working the business or I would be um, in the Air Force cadets. And so I joined the Air Force cadets, which I saw as a bit of a pathway into the Air Force. And through the Air Force cadets, you can actually learn to fly. And so that's what I did with my school holidays, combination of working and, and learning to fly and doing activities with the Air Force cadets. And that was just a fantastic period. But I'd always had this aspiration to be a pilot in the Air Force. I got my private pilot's certificate, and that basically allowed me to fly a light aircraft. I started flying when I was 15. I went solo for the first time, so flew by myself for the first time when I was 16. Wow. And um, even got the chance to take up a couple of friends from school flying. Um, and that was before I could even drive a car. So <laughs> before I could drive a car, I was flying a plane. When I uh, when I was in year 11, uh, a good friend of mine, a guy called John, uh, we both applied for the Air Force together. And um, he applied to be what's known as an intelligence officer, and I applied to be a pilot. The testing process um, in the Air Force is pretty rigorous, um, involves a whole range of things. It's famously difficult um, to get in as a, an Air Force pilot. And the fascinating thing that happened is my friend, um, he got in as a pilot into the Air Force, and um, he's still a pilot there today. So he's um, now a very senior officer in the Royal Australian Air Force, and he's flown um, the F-18 Hornet, the Super Hornet, and now the F-35 fighter. Mm. When I did my application to go in for a pilot, they said, well, we think you'd be better suited to be an intelligence officer, which is what my mate had originally wanted to do. <laughs> so out of that process, it was quite ironic that um, he was accepted as a pilot, I was accepted as an intelligence officer. So we both went down to the Defence Force Academy as soon as we left school, um, left home, started a career in the Air Force. Uh, but ultimately, I'd, I'd left after a little while because it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And um, so came back to Brisbane after a little while and kept on studying. I was studying at the University of Queensland and I was studying in, uh, the area of government and international relations. And that's when I really got a, an interest in uh, government and politics and and community affairs and and what what makes this amazing democracy that we're in um, tick mm -hmm. and so um, yeah that's that sort of was the first sort of planting of the seed of an interest in government and and you know community representation I guess I've had the privilege of uh, seeing you speak a few times at the Lord Mayor's prayer breakfast over the years and uh, you know it's such an important event with people gathering from different denominations uh, in uh, town hall there and 
praying for different things uh, around the city and around the nation. Tell us how important that event is for you as a leader. It's incredibly important and uh, it's something that's, you know, increasingly unique these days. Uh, There used to be, you know, probably 10 or 15 years ago, a lot of prayer breakfasts around the country and there there seems to be fewer and fewer of them, which is a sad thing. Uh, But the great thing about it is bringing together people from across, as you mentioned, across different denominations of churches um, in, a, in an environment where you know people aren't worried about whether they're Catholic or Anglican or you know, any kind of denomination, but talking about what we can do together to make our city a better place and also to look after those that are less fortunate. And it also throws a spotlight on the work of some amazing faith-based organisations that are out there in our community. You know, organisations that are dedicating themselves to helping those in need, and whether it's helping people uh, escaping domestic violence, whether it's helping people escape from addiction um, with drugs and alcohol, things like that, whether it's helping people through mental health challenges, which is just a big growing uh, concern in our community. There's so many uh, wonderful faith-based organisations across the community. So bring the bringing the leaders of those organisations together to come together and say prayers at that breakfast for our community, uh, for the community leaders, for our essential workers. Um, yeah, it's just a very special thing. Yeah, well, I've really enjoyed being a part of it over the years and uh, let's hope it keeps uh, happening uh, many more years to come. I know we had to uh, cancel it one year because of COVID, but hopefully we'll be able to keep meeting together in the future. And uh, I'm just curious too, uh, a bit about, uh, you know, some of the charities you do support. I know that, uh, so my daughter works for Red Frogs and she actually went to City Point College as well. And she's um, shared with me a lot about how uh, at the Red Frogs big events they have, you, you, you go along and you're a supporter. Tell us why uh, that's uh, one of the charities you love to connect with. The Red Frogs is just a fantastic organisation and um, it's got a pretty high profile. Uh, a lot of people may not know where it originated from, but Red, Red Frogs originated from um, the same place that I went to school. So that uh, City Point campus there and the Christian Outreach College is where Red Frogs started. So um, it basically started almost by accident with some interactions on the Gold Coast with schoolies and, you know, schoolies is obviously quite notorious for um, people having a bit too much to drink and then making some poor decisions. And it was all about being there and being present to help people in a time of need when, you know, this time when they're leaving school, they've got their life ahead of them and then they're in a situation where they're potentially making some pretty uh, serious mistakes uh, at a young age. The Red Frogs are just there uh, to be present and to help people and hopefully get them out of danger. And, you know, if someone has made a mistake, to be there to support them. And I can't think of anything better than that when people, you know, these these school leavers have their life ahead of them. And at that critical point where they can make the mistakes, the Red Frogs are there. And so something that uh, both myself and my wife Nina are absolutely passionate about supporting uh, because if you can help people not make a mistake or if you can help people when they have made a mistake to get their life back on track, that is um, a fantastic thing. They've got their whole lives ahead of them and uh, we don't want to see lives ruined or damaged by those mistakes. Oh, wonderful. It's so good to hear you partnering with them and 
Uh, I've been uh, good mates with Andy Goulet for many years. He's a he's an inspirational he's a speaker. Champion. I know he spoke at the breakfast once two, uh, years ago, the Lord Mayor's Prayer he Breakfast did. years ago too. So uh, fantastic. He did. Um, and I'm just curious, you know, like there's a lot of people that are finding uh, encouragement and hope in, in the Bible, uh, in particular in the difficult times we're living in. Uh, is there a, a favourite Bible verse that you wanted to share with us today? Anything that's uh, inspired you over the years? Look, there's just so many. Um, there's just so many. Um, it is actually difficult to, to pick one, um, but one that I always go back to, and it's, it's something that um, I'm, I'm constantly saying to Nina and other people, is when, when you're facing difficult situations and you don't know what's going to happen next and you don't really understand why something terrible is happening or potentially happening, uh, it's, it's just that quote, that all things work together for to good uh, to those that love him, and that is something that gives me strength and gives Nina strength on um, on a regular basis. And it's and look, it's been present in our lives as well, where you've looked back and you've seen situations that have been incredibly challenging and difficult, and then you look back and you think something good came out of that. And um, so that's always been a source of strength to both of us. Good to hear a uh, political leader standing up for the Bible. As a pastor and as a, a guy who works in Christian radio, you know, we're always praying for our leaders. You know, the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders. What What are some of the uh, important things that we should be praying for for political leaders right now in this time? Oh, look, that's easy. Um, wisdom, number one thing, uh, wisdom. When you're, when you're in situations where you have to make important decisions that, you know, affect the community, wisdom is the most important thing. And... Um, you know, with that, you're making better decisions. That, that is good for the entire community. If our leaders are making decisions with wisdom, uh, that is a good thing for everyone. So that's probably the number one thing. And um, the other thing is just, um, you know, people do say it to me on a regular basis. They, they mention the same thing. They, they come up to me and say, well, we've been praying for you and Nina. And that is, that is a source of strength in, in itself, just knowing that people are doing that um, makes an incredibly important difference. It's hard to quantify, but it does. It really makes a difference. Well, we're certainly praying for you and your wife and all the team at the uh, Brisbane City Council and uh, looking forward to many more Lord Mayor's Prayer Breakfasts in the future as well. And uh, congratulations on the, uh, the Brisbane uh, bid being successful for uh, uh, the uh, 2032 Olympic Games. Was that uh, a bit of a highlight for your career, uh, you know, going to Japan and, and hearing that announcement? Oh, look, it, that's, it is something that um, will be with me my entire life. It was just an incredible experience and an incredible thing to be part of, um, to see sort of Brisbane coming of age and now being named as an Olympic host city. That means Brisbane joins the ranks of, of these globally known cities. Um, you know, we've just had the Olympics in Tokyo and now we've got the Paralympics on or, and Paralympics have been fantastic. And then you think about where the Olympics are going next, Paris, then Los Angeles, we've had the Olympics in London, Beijing, all of these amazing global cities, and now Brisbane has joined that list. So um, it's quite fascinating and exciting to have our city have this opportunity. Yeah, well, I met with uh, a Brisbane Pastors Prayer Network recently, and we're all talking about how exciting it is and you know that uh, we want to make sure that we're reaching out to people in the lead-up to the Olympics as well. And uh, it certainly is a, it's a special city, a special state, uh, in uh, the best nation in the world. Uh, you, you really uh, got a, a prime position for the future. And uh, it's uh, been a privilege to be able to chat with you today, Lord Mayor Adrian Schrinner. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's very kind of you. Thanks for having me on, Pastor Matt.
If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.